as is often the case, the lectionary provides us with just what we need to hear at just the right time that we need to hear it. At least that's what occurs to me this week. We've just completed a long couple of seasons in the uh, liturgical year. We've been through Lent, which was six weeks, and then Easter, which was seven weeks. We celebrated Pentecost. Last week was Trinity Sunday. And this week, we have texts that tell us to slow down. Texts that talk about the importance of the Sabbath and the importance of us finding a way to take a breath and to remember what's most important. There's a story that has long appealed to me of a nomadic tribe from South America, and they would make their way across the land, and they had oxen and tents and food and children, and they made their way across the the rivers and the valleys and, and through different villages, and every once in a while they would stop, and they would set up their tents, and they would find their place for a few days but only a few days, and then they'd pack up again and they'd start wandering around. Well, the people that lived in those areas recognized this, and finally someone went up to the chief of this tribe and said, why is it that you all wander and wander and wander, and every once in a while you stop and you put up your tents for two or three days? And the chief said, ah, it's very simple. We need time for our souls to catch up with our bodies. Isn't that beautiful? And aren't we like that too? We need time to let our souls catch up with our bodies. God knows that. And so God has given us the Sabbath. Sabbath keeping can have that effect on us, providing some time for us to catch up with ourselves and to remember why we're here and what our lives are meant to be about. We can get going so fast that we forget what we're working so hard for or why we're doing what we're doing. But God gives us something to keep us sane, to keep us grounded, and to help us to not get caught up in the rat race of life. And that something is Sabbath. Even the Pharisees knew that. It's why they were concerned when they saw Jesus uh, behaving like he did not honor the Sabbath. They were concerned that he wasn't doing what was required and taking the rest that even he needed. When his disciples began harvesting grain and he did the work of healing a man with a withered hand, The sanctity of Sabbath rest, as the Pharisees understood it, was threatened. They knew the Torah well and were faithful to it. Our Hebrew text for today would have been one that they would have known by heart. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. Well, Jesus, of course knew that commandment as well. And he was helping to redefine what it means, but the Pharisees didn't catch on, at least not right away. They were concerned with upholding a legal structure that took seriously ritual purity and Sabbath observance. 
They were also concerned with holding everyone else accountable to those very codes while maintaining their distinctive status as special people called by God. But Jesus had a bigger vision in mind. While he affirms much of what the Pharisees would have understood about Sabbath keeping, he also takes it a step further. And that was threatening to them. As it might be even to us today if we fully understand what Jesus implies. Sabbath keeping is countercultural and a threat even now to the status quo of our Western consumerism. Sabbath keeping was a stance against Pharaoh and everything that Pharaoh stood for. The mechanism of hard driving work that the slaves in Egypt were accustomed to. To take a Sabbath was to stand up against the powers that be. And Jesus knew that. And he knew that the Pharisees in his day had lost sight of that important part of Sabbath keeping. Still, to stop and do nothing can seem to us to be worthless and even wasteful. There are certainly those in our culture today who would say that. But the God of the Judeo-Christian heritage is not a God of commodity or consumerism, nor a God preoccupied with productivity. On the seventh day, God rested from God's work and saw that it was good. Which leads, which leads me to the first of three things that I'd like to say about Sabbath keeping, things that are brought out in these texts for today. The first is that we honor the Sabbath because God did. God is not a workaholic, nor is God preoccupied with everything functioning just so. God knows that the well-being of creation does not depend on endless work. How about that? That's good news, right? (laughs) And yet we forget that every day, right? We think it all depends on us and how hard we work and what we get done. God is creating a spaciousness in all that is and expects that space to be honored, that there is a time to rest, just as there is a time to work. And it is important to maintain a balance between the two. One fuels or feeds the other. We need both. And God models that for us on the seventh day God took a break, and we're to take a break too. As people of God, or as God's people, created in God's image, we are to be like God, and that rest is to be important for us as well. We must rest just as God chose to rest from our labor. And if that's not enough, God commands it. God not only shows us, this is what I'm doing, I want you to do the same God says, I expect you to honor the Sabbath. Which brings to mind another commandment, the one that Jesus said was the greatest, that we're to love God with everything that we've got. And that's really what Sabbath keeping is about. It's about loving God. It's about pausing from all the busyness of our lives to say God is most important. And I love God first and foremost, more than my work, 
more than my money, more than my house, more than my family, more than anything. God is to be first in our lives. And Sabbath keeping can help us to remember that from time to time when it's so easy to forget. Sabbath keeping is wrapped up in that first commandment. Honoring the Sabbath or Sabbath times, and I'm using both interchangeably here, both the day of Sabbath, which is a time of rest, but Sabbath keeping. Some of us don't get to rest on the seventh day. We're working hard. Here at Richmond Hill, we're often hosting guests until four o'clock that day. So we have moved our Sabbath to Monday. But there are Sabbath moments that we can build in to our lives. Sabbath keeping can be something that happens regularly from day to day. I think of the ringing of the bells here at Richmond Hill as a call to Sabbath. Because when the bells ring, we are asked to drop whatever we're doing and to come to the chapel. It's an invitation for us to rest and to take a breath and to remember that only God is God. We are not. And no matter how important we think that email is to finish or how important that conversation that we're having in the hall needs to happen, we need to say it's time for us to pray. And I can tell you that is not easy to do. You probably know that. It's hard to stop what we're doing because we get so caught up in it. It's hard to stop that momentum long enough to remember who God is and who we are in relationship to God. But Sabbath rest, the ringing of the bell, the coming of Sunday gives us a chance again and again to stop what we are doing and to say no. No matter how much I value this or that, God is more important. How we spend those times of rest is important too. There are times when it means sleeping in or taking a nap or even vegging out on the couch. Sometimes that is what Sabbath needs to be. But more often than not, the type of rest that Sabbath offers us is more in line with what the rule of Benedict calls holy leisure. It's an invitation for us to do something that puts God before us once again, that reminds us of God's importance in our life. For some, that might happen with a walk in the park or through the woods. For others, it might be centering prayer or, extending, or extended times of silence. For others, it's informal reflection on Scripture I read today where somebody talked about Sabbath as levity, of spending time with the arts, of reading a book, or listening to music, or dancing, or painting. Whatever it is that lets us get out of ourselves and what we think is more important and brings us back to God. Sabbath needs, us to point, needs to point us again to God being central in our lives. It is an opportunity for us once again to ascribe worthiness to God. That's what worship means, to ascribe worth to something. Sabbath is an invitation for us to worship, 
for us to turn our attention once again to God. For the ancient Hebrews, it was remembering what God had done for them. Sabbath was a time for them to stop and recall where they'd come from. Once you were a slave in Egypt and the hand of your God brought you out from there with an outstretched arm and a grateful hand, you were given your freedom. They are told that in Sabbath times they are to remember where they've come from, to remember what God has done for them, which brings me to a second point about Sabbath keeping, and that is that it provides perspective. It helps us remember who God is and who we are in relationship to God. Author and pastor Eugene Peterson puts it this way, We desperately need uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. The ancient Israelites were constantly challenged by their forgetfulness of what God had done for them and blind to the present goodness of God in their lives. They were called stiff-necked people. Have you ever had a stiff neck? And you have to walk around like this all day. You can't really see over there. They had tunnel vision. And they could only see what was right in front of them. And they forgot that God was all around them. And that God had led them to where they were in their lives. We can be stiff-necked people. And Sabbath reminds us to stretch out a little bit. And to turn our heads. <laughs> My coach said, keep your head on a swivel, Joel. You've got to see what's going on around you. The invitation is us for, to take a look and to pay attention. To recognize what God is doing. The Pharisees in our reading today were beholden to a system which had become lifeless in so many ways. And Jesus knew that. They had lost sight of God. Even though they were being faithful to the text, they had missed the bigger picture. So He brought the practice of Sabbath down to earth for them. And He located it in relationship, not just with God, but with what was going on between them. Sabbath keeping has implications for how we treat one another. Rooted in love for God or our worship for God, it is also to be carried out in our love for one another. It has to do with neighborliness and therefore has a practical side to it. Rest and renewal enable us to be available to others more completely. Walter Brueggemann in his book entitled Sabbath as Resistance writes that worship does not lead to neighborly compassion Worship that does not lead to neighborly compassion and justice cannot be faithful worship of Yahweh. The offer is phony Sabbath, he writes. Here at Richmond Hill, neighborliness is expressed through hospitality, which we define as living one's life in service of others. Sabbath keeping is necessary for that to happen well. Out of our willingness to create and honor space for God in our weekly routine, we are better able to honor and care for whomever comes to the door. 
One fuels or feeds the other. Which is what Jesus implies in his response to the Pharisees when he suggests that the Sabbath was made for humankind, not the other way around. He mentions a time when David and his companions were hungry and in need of food on the Sabbath, and so they ate the bread of the presence. He entered the house of God and ate it and gave it to his companions. Next, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, stating, is is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? He knew the answer. They knew the answer. The Sabbath is meant for good. Which brings me to my final point, which is Sabbath and Sabbath keeping must lead to justice and lead to us acting in godly ways in the world, in reaching out to others and caring for those around us. When we pause in our day or in our week to reconnect with God, we become aware of what matters to God. And it shapes us. We find that we begin to care about the very things that God cares about. This is exactly Jesus' concern with the Pharisees. They've somehow lost sight of what really matters in in their strict adherence to the law and structure. Their practice of Sabbath has become more about them and less about God and about God's compassion and concern for others. Jesus models something quite different for them. He shows them what it means to be Sabbath people. When one finds one's when one finds oneself resting in God, then she or he can help, can only help but heal others, to feed the hungry, to shelter the homeless. It's a natural response to time spent with God. To care for others in ways that advocates for the least of these says that in God's eyes we are all valuable and we all deserve the blessings of life. Our frantic work pace mustn't blind us to the needs around us, which it can easily do. Nor, though, should our desire for rest and recreation distance us from the pain of the world and our responsibility to address it. If our Sabbath time is well spent, it will refresh and inspire us to be good neighbors to one another and to whomever appears at our door. Sabbath-keeping is an act of both resistance and alternative. It resists a selfish focus and a culture that says you get what you deserve, and it offers an alternative that suggests that God's love is real and the one true source of all of life. Sabbath reminds us that we are dependent upon God and need and need not be overburdened by attempts at perfectionism or tireless efforts to fix the world's problem. Only God is God. We are not. And ours is a God of rest who expects us to rest too, in the one in whom we live and move and have our being. Amen.